Welcome to Sean Zobel's Football Headquarters. On this podcast, we will dissect the NFL and all things football with a strong emphasis on the hometown Minnesota Vikings. Along the way, we will host big-name guests, talk some fantasy football, maybe some gambling, and the NFL draft. If you're not familiar with my background, I formerly ran draft headquarters for eight years where I appeared on various radio shows, TV shows, and newspapers throughout the Twin Cities and the country. Draft headquarters was an online database of scouting reports that allowed readers to become more familiar with the top college football talent eligible for each year's NFL draft. Now, where did I go? Back to the league. After closing up shop on draft headquarters in 2014, I moved to New York and worked at the league office. I've spent time in professional rugby, and I even took some time away to get married. That all brings us to the then and now. I'm back with a fresh, unique podcast that will provide listeners with a new angle and a fresh perspective with which to watch the NFL. So please, hop on the roller coaster as we build up to the 2017 regular season. Now sit back and enjoy the show. I also coach running backs at Eden Prairie and have spent time working for the University of Minnesota Gopher football team as well. I'd like to talk about what happens to the Minnesota Vikings front office after the upcoming season. Now, the way that the Minnesota Vikings have been constructed is an ominous one, and it's one that absolutely deserves taking a look at. At the quarterback position, the Minnesota Vikings have Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater. Now, as most of us know, the Vikings traded for Bradford, sending a first-round pick to Philadelphia last summer after Teddy Bridgewater suffered the devastating knee injury in practice. Bradford came to Minnesota, showed what he's capable of doing by setting the NFL record in accuracy. Now, that's all well and fine, and the, and the accuracy record looks pretty, but here's the thing. Sam Bradford doesn't throw the ball down the field. And if you understand that, you understand why the Minnesota Vikings are not going anywhere this season. They have what most would describe as a turnstile of an offensive line. At the receiver position, they have a receiver corp that is average at best, below average without Laquan Treadwell. And we'll get into that more in a few minutes. But up front, the Vikings are going to be a team that is going to be able to be pushed around. Most of us know that on the outside looking in, but I'm afraid that inside looking out, the team is still confident enough in two journeyman centers, guys that have been around the league, and that doesn't even include Mike Remmers, who the team previously had on their roster a few years ago and now just sunk $30 million into. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? The Minnesota Vikings are headed for an 8-8 eight and eight season. Now, they might get lucky and crank out an extra win or lose an extra one and Go seven and nine or nine and seven. They might even win an extra two and go ten and six, or really have things fall apart and go six and ten. Regardless, if the Minnesota Vikings do not make the playoffs this year, I can tell you right now, assuredly, there's a very good chance of this front office being replaced. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, most fans are very familiar with this team's unit up front: Hunter, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks. The team has some very talented players up front that are obviously going to be capable of holding their own. In the linebacker core, Anthony Barr is coming off an inconsistent year a year ago. Eric Kendricks is the leader of this defense and, by my account, is developing into one of the best young linebackers in the league. And I think the team really got a great steal with him in the second round back in 2015. But what has me concerned is on the outside, whether it be at Barr on the strong side or Ben Gideon on the weak side. If they're going to start a rookie in Gideon, I think that's fine. Gideon has some weaknesses to his game, but that's why he's going to be playing on the weak side. He's a guy who's capable of reading reacting quickly. He's a very smart, instinctive player with great technique. I think there's a reason why he was starting at Michigan, and that's because he is a very solid football player. Now, are you giving up some athleticism and some other things? Yes, but I do think he's a solid enough player to at least be serviceable for the team on the weak side. If this team has any prayer of making the playoffs, Anthony Barr needs to rebound and get to that Pro Bowl level. Is he going to? I don't know, but he's entering a contract year coming up here soon, and I think if he doesn't, 
he's going to have a really hard time going back to the uh, negotiating table and asking for much more than an average deal. In the defensive backfield, Trey Waynes is is the guy with the biggest spotlight on him this year. If if, if Waynes really develops into a solid starting corner, I think most people are going to be happy. After being a top 15 pick just a couple years ago, the team needs him to succeed, and fans are waiting for Trey Waynes to blossom. If he doesn't, it's just going to be another domino that falls on this Vikings front office, one that has really struggled to to nail and consistently land quality players from draft classes. Yes, they'll have a good year here or there, but going back to if you look at Rick Spielman's tenure here, and we will do that on this show moving forward, I can promise you that. If you look at Rick Spielman's track record, it's not that of a a drafting genius. It's one of a guy who throws darts at the board and has gotten lucky a few times. It also helps to have a defensive genius and Mike Zimmer leading the charge, leading to you know, players like Daniel Hunter and Eric Kendricks being drafted. Those were guys that the Vikings were not drafting under Spielman before Zimmer showed up. I can promise you that. Now, this team is one that most fans are very optimistic about, and I think most fans are getting a little too overzealous in terms of the expectations for this team because the Super Bowl is in town here. Every fan has been led to believe that this team has a chance at making the Super Bowl, that they're going to run through the NFC North and they're going to make the playoffs. And I'm telling you, I just don't see that happening. I think this team is one that's going to struggle to get moving on offense. I think defensively they'll keep them in games. But I do not think Sam Bradford is a capable quarterback that can throw the ball down the field consistently and win games for you. Is Bradford going to lose games? Absolutely not. But he's not going to win you games either. And that's the biggest problem. He's been paid over $100 million since he came into the league. And what has he accomplished? Is he a pro bowler? No, he's not a pro bowl caliber quarterback. Has he won playoff games? No. Has he won a Super Bowl? Not even close. He's been paid to be an average, at best, serviceable starting quarterback in the league. And that's what he is. The Vikings got suckered into sending their first-round pick to Philly last year when Bridgewater went down, and I think they're going to really feel that this season. To summarize, there are a handful of players on this team that have a giant spotlight on them this year and are going to be very key to the success of the Vikings. If you look on the offense, it's Laquan Treadwell at the receiver position. No player has a bigger spotlight on him this season than Treadwell. He needs to step up and add an added dimension to this offense, and if he doesn't, it's going to be another 8-8 eight eight season for Minnesota. On the offensive line, it's Pat Elfline. He's a big, sturdy kid from Ohio State, and I think he has the tools to be a 10- to 15-year player for the Vikings. Has he won the job? I think he has, and he's going to go into this first game against the Saints probably starting at the, as the pivot man. But Elfline is a guy up front to really keep an eye on. I don't know if the two guards, Berger and Easton, are long-term centerpieces, but I do know for a fact that Elfline will be a capable player for the next 5, 10, maybe even 15 years. At tackle, we know what Riley Reef is. He's a big right tackle that's not quite as athletic as you prefer, but he's strong enough to get the job done up front. Detroit didn't want him as the right tackle, so naturally the Vikings slid him in on the left side and expect him to have more success after he struggled on the right side in Detroit. On the right side for the Vikings is Mike Remmers, who allowed, what, 10, 12 sacks a year ago for the Panthers? Scratch that part. I don't have the stats in front of me on Remmers. Now at the offensive tackle, now on the right side we have Mike Remmers, a guy who came back from the Carolina Panthers after previously being with the Vikings on their practice squad when he came out of college. What reeks of desperation more than bringing back a guy that you had already given up on and giving him $30 million? Does that sound like a sound business decision to you? 
not to me. Now, in terms of this front office, specifically on the offensive side, we've talked about Treadwell. We've talked about Elfline. At the quarterback position, we know what Bradford needs to do, and we know what Dalvin Cooks needs to do. At quarterback, we know what Sam Bradford needs to do, and at running back, Dalvin Cook has to be a superstar. He was drafted to be a workhorse three-down running back, and he has the talent for that. He's a very good receiver out of the backfield. He's a very polished blocker in the passing game, and I think fans are really going to start to understand how valuable he is when they see him competing on a down-in and down-in. I think people are going to understand how valuable Dalvin Cook is when he begins to play on a down-in and down-out basis, three downs for every series that the team has. When Latavius Murray isn't coming into the game and Dalvin Cook's starting to rack up 15, 20, 25 touches a game, that offensive rookie of the year conversation could potentially start to heat up in the second half of the season. If the Vikings have a chance of making the playoffs, it's going to be on the back of Dalvin Cook. He has to be able to lead them to the playoffs by establishing the running game and setting up the pass, which will allow Sam Bradford's accuracy to shine through and will not allow him or force him to throw the ball deep down the field when it's necessary. Instead, the team will have second and short, third and short. They'll move the chains, and they'll continue to have nice, efficient drives on offense. With all of that said, the Vikings enter a year that could go a number of different ways. When you look at the Super Bowl at U.S. Bank Stadium, the team's moving from Eden Prairie into a brand new facility in Egan. The team wants to get back to the playoffs after having arguably the most disappointing second half of any team in the NFL last year. If there are signs that that second-half collapse continues into this season, like the preseason might have shown, then it's going to be a very long year for Vikings fans, the front office, and this coaching staff. If they want to have success this year, they're going to have to run the ball to set up the pass, and the defense is going to have to be a top-five to top-ten defense in order for this team to be a playoff contender. Can they? Absolutely. They have the talent. They have the pieces in place. Let's talk about something that the NFL doesn't want you to know about. Ezekiel Elliott case is the biggest joke of this century, and here's why. Zeke Elliott maybe or maybe not deserves to be suspended. Is he a bad person? I don't know. Does he do a lot of stupid things? Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. But did Zeke Elliott commit a crime? Was he charged with anything? How far does it get when the NFL starts to overstep their bounds and start pushing the suspensions past the limits? What happens when you set a new precedent and these numbers on these suspensions continue to grow and fans start to get irritated and players start to get irritated and then ownership starts to get irritated? Roger Goodell is overstepping his bounds and I'm sure that he knows that he is too. But as long as this cash cow keeps moving along, none of this is going to change. And that's all leading to a very highly contested CBA that's coming up in a four, in about four years. But the NFL does not want people to know that Zeke Elliott is innocent. He is. He wasn't charged with anything. At this point, the only crime that he's committed, at this point, the only thing that he's guilty of is just the public perception that he's a bad guy. Am I condoning what he did or defending him? Absolutely not. But... There has to be a right way of going about doing things. And after you set a precedent in the past, you can't go against that precedent by just doing whatever you want. And that's all that the NFL is doing at this point. I think Zeke's going to play a number of games this year. I don't know the exact number. But I do think when he does play, he's going to come back with a vengeance. And he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder, as he should. As for the NFL, it's just more of the same. It's more of the circle of you-know-what. And it's really getting old for football fans, sports fans in general. I'd rather watch highlights when I turn on Sports Center. I don't want to hear about players getting arrested, and I'm sure most people don't. When do things hit the fan? When does the NFL say, okay, enough is enough. Here is how 
here's what's going to happen. If you are even in an incident, if you get arrested, here's what's going to happen. Do I have all the answers? No, I don't. But right now, the NFL is making it up as they go along. And on Tuesday, they did it again. Only time will tell what will happen. But here's the thing. It's very apparent that we're going to be talking about this case the rest of the season, and there's a good chance that it may even extend into next season. So get ready for a long, drawn-out process. Right now, I'd like to welcome on Darren Doogie Wolfson. He's a good friend of mine who I've known for a number of years. Doogie is by far the best scoop artist in the Twin Cities. He is the guy that everybody wants to be talking to at all times, whether it be the Twins, the Vikings, the Wolves, or the Wild. Doogie and I have known each other for a number of years, and he does a fantastic job for Channel 5 as one of their sports reporters in addition to hosting the Scoop podcast. So, Doogie, thank you for taking the time tonight. I know you are uh, have a handful of things going on at the moment, but it is... Uh, it's an honor to be able to do this with you, being that it it's, it is the first episode of the podcast. You and I have known each other for a number of years, and it just does feel special because this is kind of something that I've had in the in my head and in the works for uh, quite a while. And you were the first person that I went to with it. And as soon as I did, you said, "Let's get this thing into the works." And within the next few weeks following that, it was created. So um, I owe a tremendous amount of gratitude to you and um, that extends obviously not just from now, but uh, for all the help that you've given me uh, as I've tried to get my career started over the last 10 years. Very kind of you to say, Sean, by the way, you followed my script perfectly. (laughs) I now owe you. How much do I owe you for all those kind words? (laughs) No, I am grateful to help. Trust me. I mean, going back a number of years, Sean, when I was a senior at Henry Sibley High School in Mendota Heights, I did a mentorship with both Eric Webster at a different radio station in town, plus Joe Schmidt at Channel 5. I'm forever indebted to those two individuals. I've always said, hey, if somebody wants to get something like this going, has an interest, whether it's radio, TV, you know, things have changed so much since 20 years ago, you know, but I'm here to help. I mean, if people reach out to me, I have no problem lending my expertise, whatever that expertise might be. I have no problem helping out. So you approached me. I know what your football background is. Heck, I was over at Eden Prairie High School football practice, what, a week or two ago. I saw you working those running backs. I know that Mike Grant thinks the world of you. Trust me, not everybody gets to be the Eden Prairie running backs coach. The premier high school program in the state. You are a part of that. That's not by accident. You didn't just work at the NFL League office in New York by accident. You didn't work under Tim Brewster, others with the Gophers football program, by accident. I know your background. I know how passionate you are about football. I respect that. I love that. So I'm here to help. So yeah, it's going to be great to be on pretty much on a weekly basis on your podcast. Yeah, that's what we're planning on right now. Obviously, um, you know, if you're listening to this, chances are that you have listened to another podcast on the 1500 website. And if you haven't, then obviously now is a great time to do that. But Doogie is uh, is probably one of the more well-known radio personalities in the Twin Cities because of the Scoop podcast, and uh, like I said before, it's an honor to have him on. Um, a, lot of his, a lot of the people that he knows, I also know because we're all talking to the same people when it's all said and done, so um, we, we, we have a lot of mutual friends. We've known each other for years, and uh, yeah, we're planning on having Doogie on uh, every week uh, moving forward, so uh, we're excited to uh, uh, obviously get this moving and to have Doogie on, so I'm trying to figure out, Sean, whether you are more optimistic about the Viking season or I am. I have them at 10 wins. Now, I had some guy on Twitter on Wednesday afternoon attack me saying, oh, you're far too optimistic. You're nuts. This is not a 10-win roster. 
Maybe so, but talking to Chris Collinsworth in recent weeks, some other people whose opinions I respect dearly, I've been convinced enough that this team is more the team we saw two years ago. Granted, the quarterback is different. You know, and Teddy Bridgewater, whatever that it factor is, he had it in 2015. Think about all those fourth-quarter comebacks. So I get it. The quarterback, the premier position on the field is different. But I've talked to enough people, Sean, to be convinced that this roster, the 2017 roster, is closer to the 2015 team than the team last year that only won eight games. So they won 11 two years ago. They won eight last year. I've been convinced they're closer to the 2015 team. So because of that, and I get it, the schedule's different. There's a lot of different factors in play. But I do feel like this roster can get them to 10 victories. You know, we talked earlier in the podcast about the various players that are going to have a big spotlight on them coming into this season. And I I think this team's an 8-8 eight and eight team. Now, if it's a one game swing, they're seven and nine to nine and seven team. If it's a two game swing, it's six and ten to ten and six. I think that six and ten to ten and six range is a realistic range. Now, obviously, when you're talking about five games over a sixteen game schedule, that's not very specific. But this is a five hundred team or better. I think. I don't think it's an or worse. But that's also why we're, we let off the podcast talking about why the Vikings might have new front office at this time next year. If they don't make the playoffs with this roster, it will be a, a disappointment. Do you agree with that? Yes. If they miss the playoffs again, they haven't won a playoff game since when? Since they went to the NFC Championship game with against the Brett Saints, Favre, the yeah. 09 season. Yeah. And I get it. It's Blair Walsh's fault. That's fine. But they haven't won a playoff game going back. If after this year, if we're talking eight years and you've missed the playoffs a number of those years, Yes, I fully expect at least one head to roll, if not multiple heads. You know, let's not forget the Super Bowl is in our backyard. The Wilf family internally is putting all sorts of pressure on that front office, on that coaching staff. They would love to at least have a chance. They're realistic enough. All right? It's not like it's Super Bowl or bust, right? But there is an internal expectation from ownership that this is a playoff team, that you're one of the six best teams in the NFC. So if you're not, yes. And I would look at the general manager first. Now I'll say this much. The assistant general manager, George Payton, is highly thought of. George is interviewed for a number of jobs. Would they blow up the entire front office? I pause a bit on that because I know they still think the world of Mike Zimmer. And it all depends on how the season plays out, right? If you start off 0-3 but then end up winning, let's say, 8 of your final 11 games or something like that, maybe miss the playoffs, maybe you get to 10 wins. What if you miss the playoffs, though, on a tiebreaker? So I think it depends on how the season plays out. But on the surface, if this team misses the playoffs, I'm with you. I think one head rolls. I think the GM's in trouble. I'm not convinced the head coach is in trouble. And I think they could easily elevate George Payton, who, frankly, if he wanted to be a general manager, whether it's in San Francisco, the Jets, I mean, going back a few years, he's had ample opportunity to be a general manager, to be the guy. He is highly respected in the industry. He's been being talked about for general manager positions since I was starting draft head Okay, so if he I mean, wanted to be, I'm just telling you. It's been a five- you. to ten-year thing where he is he's established himself as one of the premier GMs in waiting and has turned down at least half a dozen, if not a full dozen, interviews with other NFL teams to Correct. become their general manager. And because so of that— what does he know? Does he see the writing on the wall— that he can be the Vikings general manager at some Potentially. point. Potentially. So I'm just telling you, I don't know if they blow up. In fact, I would be surprised. I don't think if they it's blow a up full, the entire front I don't office. think it's a full scale blow up, like you said. I do think 
the general manager is on the hot seat. And that's never been more apparent in Rick Spielman's tenure than it is right now, in my opinion, because the way that last season played out and unfolded, Vikings fans have a very bad taste in their mouth. And because of that, if the team comes back and flops again this season, there will be nobody left to to defend the general manager. You can argue that from a player-to-player standpoint, he's done a good job here, he's done a bad job there, whatever. He's been here for a decade, and the team has not won a playoff game other than during the Brett Favre era in which I guess we could all agree that it was a little unique, the whole situation. Well, yes, and Rick didn't have final say. Exactly. That was more chilly. It wasn't just Rick has, you know, that it's a dictatorship. Then we talk about, right? Not that it's a dictatorship, but you get the point that Rick has final say. It's ultimately his decision on many, many different things. So since he's been elevated to general manager, since he's been the guy, you're right. And if they miss the playoffs again, so two consecutive years of missing the playoffs. And three out of four. Three out of four. Yeah, I would fully expect him to be in trouble. Absolutely. Keep this in mind, too. This is not Rick Spielman's first team. But I think team. they make the playoffs. I don't. Well, I, th- I think it's probably... I'm more optimistic. I think it's event. a coin flip. I think it's truly a coin flip. It's a 50-50 chance. If this team can stay healthy and you have contributions from the specific players we talked about earlier, the Treadwells, the Trey Waynes, if those guys are able to take the next step, then this team as a whole, their talent level improves, and I think they are capable of not only making the playoffs, but probably making a run or potentially winning a game or two here or there because of the 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 talent. The Vikings have more first-round picks over the last, what, four, five, six years than almost any team in the league mm-hmm. because Rick Lo- Trader Rick loved going in and just scooping up those late first-round picks. That's great, but when two of those first-round picks, Sharif Floyd and Cordero Patterson, don't work out, then that's where your problems start to arise. And you could really use a stud receiver right now. Cordero Patterson, Laquan Treadwell are two guys that they tried. They've blown it. They right? wanted Alshon Jeffrey. They, they made a nice offer. Alshon chose Philadelphia. I will say, yes on Cordero. I have a hard time saying Sharif miss or bust or whatever. The, re- the reason Sharif Floyd fell in the draft was because of partly medical, part the fact that he had short arms, part the fact that he just size-wise was not what people wanted. There were concerns coming in when he was drafted that this could happen. That's fine, but he hasn't been a bust necessarily on the field. He then goes under the knife, and what are the chances that he has to deal with nerve damage? I feel bad for Complications it's, it's a from a surgery. Situation. It's a horrible situation. Now, he's actually looking good. I mean, being out of practice enough, him yeah. and Teddy Bridgewater work together off on one of the side fields. It looks like he's moving okay. So, I mean, I'm not ready to say Sheree yeah. Floyd done as a Viking. Yeah. I'm just saying, to he me, it's a very up. unfortunate situation. Maybe he hasn't lived yeah. up to expectations when you go in the top 25 of the draft. Yeah. But I don't think he's been a bust, and it's not necessarily his fault. No, I agree. If you want to say miss on Cordero Patterson, that's fine. Yeah. Heck, you could declare when you have picks in the top, what pick was Trey Wayne's? 11? 11 or 12, yeah. And the book's not written. The final chapter isn't written on Trey Wayne's. Oftentimes guys develop exactly. in that third, third year. year. Yep. You know, So we'll know by the end of this year if Trey yep. Wayne's is a reliable starter or if he's just a backup. If he's just a backup, okay, you missed on him. Yeah. Treadwell, let's see, right? I mean, we keep hearing all these good things. 
you know, some of it I think is lip service. Yeah. You know, I mean, what else are they going to say? You know, they're not going to say, hey, we have our doubts. Yeah. You know, but I'll take a wait and see approach on him as well. Yeah. But is the potential there that we can say, Rick, you swing and missed on Patterson, you swung and missed on, you know, Waynes, and you swung and missed on Treadwell? Yeah. I mean, that possibility does exist. Yeah. And if Waynes ends up flopping and Treadwell doesn't do anything, well, more than likely we're looking at eight and eight or seven and nine. They miss the playoffs, and guess what? It circles back to what we talked about. I think Rick's in trouble. I think I think at least one head rolls if they end up missing the playoffs when they're hosting the Super Bowl. Yep. But I'm just telling you, the offensive line I think will be better. I'm all in on Dalvin Cook. I think Sam Bradford is a pretty capable quarterback. I get it. He's not top eight, top ten. I also don't think he's Bottom ten, he gets the job done. He won't. I like win him. I actually games. like Sam more than a lot of people. Yeah, and that defense is legit. You think about Monday night, the Saints are starting a rookie left tackle, right? Yep, he's right. good. Check. Yeah, Wisconsin kid, right? He's good. But not, I mean, I think the Vikings are ready to just roll over him. I think that defensive line will shine on Monday night. They'll get off to a good start. Yep. Don't know if they win week two at Pittsburgh. But I think the schedule sets up okay. Those first handful of weeks them to get off to a nice start then sustain that right i mean they got off to a great start last year five and oh you finish eight and eight so i think if they can go a good four start and doesn't mean a whole lot or, yeah in, but in i think the schedule sets up okay and i don't want to analyze the schedule in november december yeah. because there are so many injuries yeah. i don't want to start looking at the atlanta game or the carolina game but i'm just talking about these first few weeks i think the schedule sets up okay where they can get off to a good start you know establish you know, what they need to establish and end up on their way to a 10-win season. I really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Let me run through a handful of questions that I had previously put together specifically for you, knowing what we were going to be talking about. Yeah, do that, and we'll go back and forth here, right? Okay. I got your text message. Okay, you start. We already talked about what happens with the Vikings front office, but... Well, yes, if they miss the playoffs. With the the caveat, if if they miss the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, obviously they're going to stay. They'll remain. To me... One of the bigger reasons that we haven't talked about whether or not the GM or the head coach gets fired is the quarterback position, Sam Bradford. His contract is probably one of the biggest stories that nobody's talking about in that he's due after this season's up, but the Vikings won't commit to him because they don't know, A, if he's capable of being the franchise quarterback, or B, what's going to happen to Teddy Bridgewater. So, Mr. Scoopman, what's the latest that you're hearing on an an extension for Bradford or what the update or status is of contract talks? I'll say this. My sense is that Bradford's side certainly has tried to engage the Vikings front office in some extension talks. My sense is the Vikings will take a wait-and-see approach. Yep, as they should. There's no rush now. The Matt Stafford contract just raises that franchise number higher and higher. But the Vikings do have the ability, if Sam Bradford has an unbelievable year, Takes them to the NFC Championship game. Who knows? Maybe further. It's not like they will outright lose Sam Bradford. Yeah, They'll have to do some cat maneuvering. Rob Brzezinski will have to get uber creative. Yeah, But if Sam Bradford has a good year, he'll be this team's quarterback in 2018. So what happens to Teddy? Well, I mean, he's making progress. So to me, he'll be physically cleared when he can come off that pup list. Which means the contract doesn't toll, which means his contract expires after the year. Yeah. You know, that's where it gets dicey, though. That's, that's, I still believe, Sean, that Mike Zimmer's guy, deep down, even though Zimmer went down to Oklahoma, spent all this time in the offseason with Sam Bradford, and I think he trusts Sam Bradford. It's not like Mike is anti Sam Bradford, but I think if you said to Mike Zimmer, 
you really got into Mike Zimmer's brain and said, who do you prefer, Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford? I'm convinced Mike Zimmer would tell you Teddy Bridgewater. I Based would on rather have Bradford. Or excuse me, I would rather have Bridgewater as well. Now the front office, or maybe more specifically Rick Spielman? Yeah. Or maybe Pat Shermer? Different story. Different story. That's where it gets interesting. But to me, to answer your question, nothing really going on on that front that I sense. The Vikings will take a wait-and-see approach. But if Sam Bradford has a good year, they'll get paid one yeah. way or another, whether it's the franchise tag or you slap the franchise tag on and you negotiate a long-term extension thereafter, April, May, June, July. You figure it out before the start of the 2018 season. If Sam Bradford has a good year, he'll be this team's quarterback next year. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. I think this season is one of the most intriguing or unique for the Vikings in the last 5, 10 years. Probably not since 2009, but there are so many different ways that this season can progress and then what happens after the season too. Neither one of these guys could be the quarterback heading into next year. I mean, if this team completely collapses, they bring in a full new front office and they have a top draft pick, Bradford walks out the door, Bridgewater walks out the door. I know it's highly unlikely to happen. But there are so many possibilities because you have two quarterbacks. Both are starting caliber. One's injured. One's not. Both of them have contracts coming up at the end of the year. The front office has a tremendous amount of pressure. Oh, and the Super Bowl's in town, and they're building a new practice facility where they have more expectations than maybe 95% of the league. It's the best reality show around. As somebody who loves MTV's The Challenge, as somebody who loves Big Brother, there is no better reality show and the National Football League, specifically for us, the Vikings, because there are so many unknowns. Okay, let me toss a couple at you before I need to get home and put the kids to bed. All right, at what point this season does the offensive line start to either go sideways or do they come together? What are your thoughts overall on the offensive line? I've heard a lot of good things about Pat Elfline. I mean, I'll tell you this much. I pulled a front office member aside the first day of training camp. I said, Give me two or three guys you're really excited about this training camp. One was Marshall Kane, you know, and Marshall had every opportunity to win that kicking job. He didn't run with it. Yeah. The other two were Pat Elfline and Tayshawn Bauer. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what those two guys have done. Both guys make the 53. You know, I don't know if Tayshawn Bauer dresses next Monday. He might be one of their game day deactivations. But when it comes to Pat Elfline, there's a toughness, a meanness. They love him. They also say he is so smart. They love Pat Elfline. So Elfline at center, you know, I do wonder about Easton at left guard. You know, I also wonder about the two tackles. But I think just up the gut with the center, I'm telling you, I think Fanshawn will love Pat Elfline. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the offensive line. Well, Doogie, you didn't hear the beginning of the podcast because it was just me. But I talked about how Pat Elfline very easily could play for 10 to 15 years for the Vikings. He's that caliber of center or offensive lineman where he combines the complete package. He's smart. He's physical. He's got the size. He can play guard or center. Uh, at center specifically, he's a fantastic pivot man. Um, and by pivot man, when I talk about that, that is a term that um, is typically used for pass protection, a guy that can be the center man for pass protection to be able to lead the line. So if you ever hear pivot man, that's kind of what it means. And he's a very solid run blocker. He, he has the size to really be a a presence up front for five, ten years at least if he stays healthy. So I completely agree with you. Pat Elfline is the one guy on this line that they don't have a worry about or they don't have a question with. 
other than that, I think both guards and both tackles have their respective questions. And each one, it would take a long time to dissect each one and dive into them. I think within the next three to five weeks, you're going to see the first crack in the wall. Um, I don't know if it's going to collapse quite to the extent that it did a year ago, but I still we I still think we are going to see some fissures in the wall where, yes, there will be some linemen that mm. do get injured. I think they're going to have to move some bodies around, have some swing tackles, swing guards, that sort of thing that are you know getting experience and probably reps sooner than they would have preferred. I just don't think it's going to be the same emergency emergency or disaster-like situation it was a year ago. That just no. doesn't happen to every and, year. And, you know, for their sake, hopefully there's not injuries. Exactly, yes. I mean, maybe there will be. Inevitably, there's some injuries, right? Hopefully, yeah. maybe not along the offensive line. But it's hard to predict, okay, there will be injuries along the offensive line. But I'll give you, I'll give you some concerns. Are you ready? Even though I think the offensive line will be better this year, I'll, just, I'll play devil's advocate sure. with myself. Joe Berger had a concussion last year. I don't think people realize how close Joe Berger came to retirement. Really? Now he's back, so maybe mentally he is all in it. But the fact he was that close to retiring, is he fully mentally engaged? Is he ready to go to battle for 16 games? So I wonder about that. If he is, I'm fine with him at right guard. I trust in him. I just don't know where his mental state is. You know, I mean, heck, us reporters get five or ten minutes in the locker room with these guys. Yeah. We don't know these guys that well. We can throw them questions. They give us a lot of cliched answers. Yep. We don't know. I'm just saying, if he's if he's mentally engaged, Joe Berger will be fine at right guard. Yeah, he's, he's a very serviceable, solid yeah. player who gets the job done. But I is just he, wonder. Is he a sexy guard? Absolutely not. No, you're not going to look at him and think, no, hey, he's a No, but you can prospect. win with Joe Berger. I'm exactly. fine with that. Also, okay, they swung and missed on Russell Okung. Yep. I'll continue to maintain that story was not reported the way it should have been. I've tried. <laughs> But I don't think a lot of other Vikings reporters have jumped in on that. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much the Vikings wanted Russell Okung. Riley Reef was not their first choice at left tackle. But Riley Reef is an upgrade He's, over Matt yeah, Khalil. Yeah. All right, then at right tackle, they made a run at Wagner, who ended up in Detroit, left Baltimore. Well, okay, they didn't get him. They lose him to Detroit. Then you end up with Mike Remmers. Yep. Okay, so I think Remmers is a step up. But is he that much of a step up? So there's still question marks about the tackles. There's question marks about Nick Easton, you know, whether he can sustain at left guard, although I like the idea of going with him over Alex Boone. Yeah. I have no problem with that. And I'm just saying I do wonder about the mental state of Joe Berger, but if he's if he's mentally into it, I think they're okay the interior. Yeah. I actually worry more about the exterior, I the tackles, too. than I do the interior. I All right, too. give me the breakdown. Monday night, give me the keys. Viking Saints, I don't have a good feel. I mean, to me, the two toughest weeks to predict, week one, and then everything you see week one, you overanalyze week it's two. Overreaction. So week two is really hard to analyze. Yep. But when it comes to this game, New Orleans has how many new players on defense? I don't have a good feel. I think the Vikings win, maybe just because it's in their building, it's home field advantage. But I don't have a good sense because I don't have a good sense of what this New Orleans Saints team is this year. So I'm curious your thoughts. How do you break down Viking Saints? I I think the Saints are going to be one of the most improved teams in the league this year. Um, offensively, they bring in Adrian Peterson. We all know what he's capable of. They bring in Alvin Kamara. He's a Swiss Army knife of a running back who can catch the ball, run the ball, return the ball. He's kind of like a Tyreek Hill out of Kansas City. Um, they also bring in Ted Ginn, a very fast receiver from Carolina who I think is picture perfect for that Saints offense being able to sprint down the field in that dome down south. 
Uh, on offense, if Ryan Ramchick can hold up at left tackle like we talked about earlier, that's going to be a big question mark. They took a big tackle, Andrews Pete, out of Stanford in the first round a few years ago. He's not lived up to the expectations. So they've got two young offensive linemen that, you know, when you've got an experienced rush like the Vikings do, uh, that's one thing to keep an eye on. Now, Drew Brees is one of the best in the NFL getting the ball out. Um, but when you've got Everson Griffin and, you know, the trio of rushers that the Vikings have, it's going to present an interesting case. Um, up front, I think Adrian's going to get 10 to 15 carries, probably rush for 40 to 50 yards and maybe break a touchdown. Um, Mark Ingram will probably do the same, and the team's going to try to spread the ball around as as much as they can to get the Vikings' defense moving. Um, when the Vikings are on offense, I think they'll be able to run the ball. New Orleans' defense is not very good on the ground. In the air, I think... You know, it's not the Vikings' strength. It's not the Saints' strength either. I think that's where the game could potentially be decided is with Sam Bradford throwing the ball. If Sam can play up to the caliber that he played against the the uh, Packers in Week 2 last season at U.S. Bank Stadium, then I think they'll win. But if Bradford plays maybe half as good as that or to the level that he sometimes does play where he just does not look like a starting quarterback in the NFL, then they'll have trouble. Um, it, it really will depend on how well they can keep him upright. Um, but given the fact that the Saints' defense is not considered to be one of the best in the league, I, I don't think the Vikings will have problems scoring points. I just think that they'll need to keep, obviously, the Saints' offense out of the end zone, and they'll have to make sure that you know they are able to, like we talked earlier in the podcast, establish the run to set up the play-action pass. They will get to Breeze, though, won't they? Absolutely. They will find they, they a way will. to rattle they him. Will. Yeah. They won't necessarily always take him to the ground, yeah. sack him. I think they fluster him enough. I really do feel like... and hits is kind yeah, of where I this mean, game is going to lie. That it is may not the be a key. sack. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you tell me, but I really feel like the Vikings, the way they can dominate the line of scrimmage when their defensive line is going against that Saints offensive line, to me, that will be the difference maker on Monday. Yeah. I think most of the country would be pretty shocked if the Saints won this game, right? I don't know about that. What's the Vegas line? Three, three and a half, it's something close, like yeah. that? I, I think... And you figure you get a couple points, if not three points, for home field advantage? Yeah. So on a neutral field, it's Vikings by a half point, Vikings yeah. by a point? So no, I don't think it would be shocking if New Orleans won. But yes, I do think at least locally, I mean, undoubtedly locally. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think a majority of of the country when you're doing your picks, I would say 65% will yeah. lean Minnesota. That sounds about Maybe right. even 70%. Here's Locally, my, I think yeah. it's more like 75 or 80%. Probably. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds about right. Um, the Saints, to me, have the pieces in place to be a playoff team. In the NFC South, which every year is just a complete crapshoot, the Saints have what it takes. But they... They have to win games like Monday night. They have to win road games, and they have to win road games against playoff-caliber competition. That's not something that they've been able to do over the last few years, and that's one reason why they haven't made the playoffs. So, to me, if the Saints want to take that next step as a team, this is the type of game that they have to win. But I'm with you. I think Minnesota comes away with the win. I think the Vikings' defense will, will get after Breeze and be too much for the Saints' offense consistently over the course of the game. I think the Vikings will be able to run the ball at Dalvin Cook, and I think they will get some home run passes. Maybe maybe not be deep, but they'll be able to get the, the passing game going with with uh, you know Stephon Diggs and Thielen throughout the game, I think. 
Love your analysis. You have Adam Schefter coming up on a future podcast. Yes. Or some other people that you have. We've got a know, lot of whether people. Whether it's yeah. phone numbers, you know, people you talk to pretty regularly. Who are some guests that you want to have on the podcast coming up? Um, uh, Charles Davis is a good friend of mine. Nice. Um, he works with NFL Network, yeah, Fox Sports, and mm-hmm. now he uh, got the gig as Madden's uh, commentary, uh, color commentary. Uh, Charles, I've known for a very long time. I worked with him at NFL Network as well. Um, when I was in high school, um, and have stayed in touch with him for years. So now that his star has obviously risen, I want to, um, y- you know, try to get him on and see if he's got one of the busiest schedules in the country right now. So that might be a little difficult, but we'll see if we can, uh, squeeze him in. But I want to try to get some NFL players, some coaches, some executives, some people that, you know, are in the league that don't typically give interviews so that our listeners can have the type of access to the league that you won't find elsewhere. It's a good idea. That's my goal is to be able to provide, whether it be guests or information or statistics, uh, this is going to be a show that will provide you with the type of information that you're not going to hear on live radio or on PTI or Around the Horn or any of the other talk radio shows on ESPN or or even regionally here in the Twin Cities. So... um, Personally, I'd like to thank you for listening, and um, please stick around for next week's show. Like uh, Doogie said, we're planning on uh, having ESPN insider Adam Schefter Solid. on the uh, first big show next week uh, as we kick off the season. Um, so once again, thank you very much for listening, and uh, I look forward to continuing to provide top-notch content and uh, podcasts for you to listen to throughout the uh, season. 